0: You're listening to... You're listening to... You're listening to... You're listening to... The Life Tree Community Church Podcast.
1: All right, so special for you tonight, um, we have a guest, and um, a very special guest. Uh, Pastor Otto Wegner will be sharing tonight, and Pastor Otto uh, and our family go way, way, way back, um, 30... well I think it was 38 years ago uh, when I was five, uh, somewhere around there, that uh, my parents took a position as uh, youth pastors, right? Youth pastors at Bethany Church in Wyckoff, New Jersey. And the pastor there was Pastor Otto and his wife Pat and their family. And uh, so we we go way, way back. And uh, over these past few years, I've been able to stay in, in contact with Pastor Otto. And uh, so deeply grateful for the wisdom, the mentorship, just the, the influence that he has been so many good books. He's a book guy. I'm always leaving his house with a book, so, you know, we speak that same language. And uh, it's just a privilege and an honor to have him here tonight to share with us his heart so many years in pastoral ministry, more than I've been alive. And, uh, and Pastor Otto has a heart for planting churches as well as pastoring he, I've had when I taught a class at Valley Forge, you actually brought him in uh, to to teach the class, and I took more notes than the students. Um, really, sincerely believe you are in for uh, just the word of God from from this man, and I'm so grateful that he's been willing to come share. So, Pastor Otto, would you come and can we give him a good life tree welcome? <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for coming. I assume that none of you knew that I would be here, or you probably wouldn't have come. <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, you get to be my age, you're kind of surprised that uh, that you can still walk around. Uh, you almost stole one of the most important lines when you started talking about being quiet. I'm uh, still processing the loss of my wife uh, back in July. Um, 55 years, five months ended. And her favorite course was the one that Jen started the service with. But I'll, I'll be all right. Uh, from Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities, we have a um, description of what's happening in the United States right now. He starts the novel with, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief, it was the epic of incredulity." It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. We're experiencing both of those. And part of it is that we don't know what we're going to wake up to. About the time we think, oh, we're on a roll, we're going to be over the hump, and then somebody pulls the rug out. It's not just personal. Uh, there's a kind of uh, malaise in our uh, culture. Uh, While human knowledge is soaring, new records, new achievements, new successes are endless, but simultaneously foolishness flits about demanding equal time including the silly idea that politicians can propose a kind of over-the-counter kind of remedy for moral cancers that destroy our culture. We really do need God, don't we? Listen closely to the political sound bites. There's help on the horizon. The election is just about nine days off, and then we'll have a brief respite from all of that. But the sound bites are laced with toxic challenges to God's law and his wisdom. My uh, daughter lives up the street, and our son-in-law, and there are four teenagers. And they all can access the information that I access. But they can do it so much more quickly. It just annoys the life out of me. but they don't know what to do with it they don't have perspective i go to wawa usually on sunday morning to buy a philadelphia inquirer and, um, not because it has a lot of good news in it but it has the new york times crossword puzzle and i do that sunday afternoon and uh, wawa trains their staff really well i walk in and I, well how are you, sir? And then you would have just thought the circus arrived. But I, I test those well meaning people. They're all about 19 or 20 years old. I said, Well, I'm, I'm really doing quite well. If it just wasn't that I was so old. Oh, you're not old. You're just. And um, I said, to one of those 19-year-olds, have you ever heard of Franklin Delano Roosevelt? And just from the look on her face, I knew that she didn't get better than a D in American history. (laughs) She just didn't have a clue. She said, I think I heard of him. So I was in a playful mood. I usually am. I said, well, he was president of the United States when I was born. And she said, oh. She was sizing me up for, I said, you have heard of Abraham Lincoln, haven't you? She oh yeah, yeah. Well, Delano Roosevelt was after him, but there were several in between, and she was very relieved to know that. (laughs) See, knowledge can be a kind of intoxicant. It's a turbocharger for egos, if I know... I can gain the edge on others that don't know. But information is never enough. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge. And and wisdom separates the sage from the fool. Uh, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 28, When a country is rebellious, it has many rulers, but a man of understanding and knowledge maintains order. A little bit later in the chapter, it says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law of God, even his prayers are detestable. Tonight, with the Spirit's help, I I would like to share with you not a, a profoundly complicated sermon as much as a kind of insight of something that God's been working in my life because I'm suddenly for the last four months in a house all by myself and it's quiet. Uh, For several years I was busy caring for Pat, but now um, I'm having to find a new rhythm. I'd like to talk to you about a man a native of a town called Tishbe. If I were the resident of Tishbe, I would probably want to get out and look for a better zip code. Elijah left this small town and moved into the capital of Israel, a world power. It would kind of be like the mayor of Toledo, Moving into the White House, well, we have similar sometimes. Elijah is described in the text this evening from James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, Elijah has an interesting resume. (laughs) I found my resume in the district office several years ago. (laughs) I don't know who did it, but if I find him, I'm going to get him because they had a big red rubber stamp, and it just right on the cover page, ordinary. Compared to Elijah, we would all be guilty. Because in his resume, it says, I was fed by ravens at a brook for weeks on end. Have you had that experience? I was used by God to deliver an endless supply of food for a widow and her son, and they fed me too. And we started with just a bowl of flour and a little bit of oil, and it lasted for the duration of the famine. Uh, The widow's son died, and I raised him from the dead. I endured a a day-long contest with some prophets that were demonized. They were full of the devil. They danced and cursed and cut themselves and screamed, hoping that their god, a fertility god, would come down and set their altar and the slaughtered calf on fire. I, I listened to that all day long. And then I said, okay, enough of that. And I started gathering stones, and I rebuilt the altar of God. I enlisted a few helpers, and three times they brought buckets of water, and they filled up a trench full of water, just so that everybody would know that uh, lightning didn't strike. And then I prayed a simple prayer. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, hear me, O Lord, hear me, and let this people know that you alone are God. And fire came out of heaven,
1: and it licked
0: up the water, and it consumed the altar. And then I told the people, you see those guys running, those 450 prophets? They're running, go get them. And I killed them. He did all that in one day. That's a portfolio for some people's lifetime. And then he ran outran the king's horses. He did it all in the same day. And uh, he left the earth in a whirlwind. He never had a funeral. He just, whoosh, he's gone. And then he made a couple appearances with Jesus and he was, he's really quite an amazing guy. And he is described by the Holy Spirit as a man just like us. Have you ever considered what the potential is if we would pray and ask God, Where do I fit? Where do I belong? Why did you make me? There's just hundreds and hundreds of people who've gotten to know me and they begin their prayers every day. Oh God, thank you that there's only one auto in this world. And that's the way it ought to be. God has made us Uniquely and wonderfully, he, he was very effective. Uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, translation of the scriptures, the message, First Kings chapter 18, The moment Ahab saw Elijah, he said, "So it's you, old troublemaker. It's not I who have caused trouble in Israel," said Elijah, but you and your government." You've dumped God's ways and commands and run off after the local gods, the Baals. There's a lot more to Elijah, but I just wanted to set the, uh, the stage so when the actors come, they have a place to sit, and you can imagine what's going on. Now, we have two daughters and a son. My son is a little different than most folks. In um, fact, <laughs> uh, he, he really is only one of a kind. Fortunately, he looks like his mother, so that's, that was an advantage for him. The, the rest of us ring the doorbell, and we wait for somebody to come to the door. Jonathan rings the doorbell. He thought, ah, let's have some fun. And so he goes and climbs in the kitchen window. He's always been like that. One night, we were finishing dinner, and our routine was that after dinner, especially if I had a board meeting or something at night, we would, before we cleared the table even, we would read the Bible and pray. Jonathan had already spilled every liquid on the table, had dropped food all over the place. He, he he was too tired to be awake, and he knew it, and he was just making life very, very miserable. And so I said, Jonathan, go get the Bible. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray, and you're going to bed. He went and got the Bible, and when he sat down, he said, Dad, could I ask a question? I said, no. No, you're going to bed. I know a stalling technique when I see it, And he said, well, Dad, just one. No, 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 you're going to bed. Dad. Back then, he still had a lot of hair, and it was blonde, and he had blue eyes, and he just looked up at me so pathetically. Just one, Dad? And I'm only half as mean as I look, and I said, okay, just one. And he said, Dad, when God talks to you, what does he sound like? I had a board meeting that night. I don't know what we did, because I'm trying to. 40 years later, I'm still trying to answer that question. My message is simple. It's not a theological discourse. It's just some homespun observation, a word of encouragement, an attempt to bless you and to urge you forward to pray, and then to pray again, and then to pray again and then to pray again. And the first thing that I've observed is that when we pray, we must listen. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a conversation. We, We speak to God, and we listen to God. When you consider that God has never learned anything, so should I inform him? of what he already knows? Or do I listen because he knows what I've never thought of yet? There's a, an old song that formed me when I was a boy in church. You probably know it, right? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I look at my four teenage grandchildren, live 12 houses up the street, and ask, What kind of world will they live in? And so I'm teaching them the chorus. How to listen for God. How to be still, to reflect, to remember, to rejoice, to just be content and know. You see, Israel was teetering on the edge of God's judgment. They had been filling up this huge vessel with their belligerent, angry rebuke of God's ways by serving fertility gods. And we're doing the same thing. You see, honest voices were as rare then as they are now. Truth had spiraled into a kind of cooperative agreement among the people of power to maintain enough stability so that they could continue in power. And into that world, Elijah came praying. And Elijah prayed. What does God sound like? Well, I I tried this with John. I think he's getting it. He's a pastor now, so I think he's getting it. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I don't need caller ID when my son calls. I know his voice. He never says, is that you, Dad? knows. We we need to stay close enough to the Lord so that we can hear him and understand what he's saying to us. Uh, Samuel had been uh, enlisted to serve as a helper to Eli and he was awakened in the night and he went to Eli and said, did you call? No, no, go back to sleep, boy. It happened a second time. No, go back to sleep. And it happened the third time. You, were, you know the story, right? Sure you do. He, Eli said, if it happens again, say, speak, Lord. I'm listening. Elijah was running in fear. Because the queen was determined to kill him. And he was hiding in the cave. And he expected to hear God in the thunder or storm. But he went to the mouth of the cave. And he heard a still, small voice. So the first thing to do is just to listen. I'm I'm embarrassed with how many times I went into the presence of God, and he welcomed me, and he's always glad to hear my voice. I know he is. And I started telling him things that I thought he ought to do. Consider that. Hmm. The second thing is to understand that prayer is not some sort of a dutiful activity that uh, you kind of get out of the way at the beginning of the day so that things will go better for you. But it's really a place of wrestling, struggle, where God's will and my will have to come into agreement. And i have been discovering that his will doesn't change very much, which lets you know what happens to mine. You see, the prophet's words have never been retracted. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The, The Spirit of God says, Boy, you need to change your spirit. You need to adapt to my holiness. You must apply the things you've learned to pleasing me. You see, Grace and mercy and gentleness and patience, all of the attributes of God are employed in the process of making Jesus' work and his words convincing to us, or we stumble around in darkness. Man's instinct is to take charge, to define terms, establish plans. But Jesus is slow to employ copycats. He doesn't have a template so that uh, Pastor Dan and, 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 and you, brother, are the same thing. But he has marvelously put together millions of pieces to make a mosaic that is pleasing to him. And he's making everything work together for good to those that love him until we all begin to look like him, for whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. He wants us to be as he is. It's a matter of proximity. We, when, when you wrestle, you have to touch. It, it's not an abstract. It's a practical. To, to wrestle in prayer is to come close to Jesus and allow Jesus to mold and to turn us and to make us as he is. I was preaching in uh, the Canary Islands a long, long time ago, and I was uh, repeating the story of a a, a physics class. My uh, interpreter was... uh, a great missionary, Anthony Giordano, just one of my heroes. And he did not know what a tuning fork is. All he knew was a dinner fork. So I'm talking about my physics class and how the physics teacher had two tuning forks that were of the same frequency, and it looked like a hockey puck on his desk. And he wrapped the one tuning fork And it started to vibrate, and he took the other tuning fork and just held it close. And the two forks resonated together. If you didn't know that, you flunked his physics. Hmm? It's It's a great, great illustration of what happens if when we pray, we just come close enough to Jesus until our heart begins to beat like his heart until his thoughts and our thoughts are in agreement, where his will and ours have no conflict as we surrender, as we give in and allow him to shape who we are. Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord on the evening before he was going to meet his brother Esau and had a name change. And he walked with a limp after that because he wrestled Jonah struggled with his bias, and his hatred for Nineveh, and he even ran away from God. But God brought him back, and he will to us. Peter heard a scalding rebuke just days before the cross when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan but he got close enough to Jesus in the upper room and Jesus breathed on him the Holy Spirit, John 20, 22. It's it's in the book. And on Pentecost, he preached who Jesus is and what he's done and how he resurrected from the dead to some of the same people who just seven weeks before screamed crucify him. Crucify him. Something happens when we come close enough to Jesus to wrestle his will and my will. We come face to face and heart to heart and mind to mind. God's mouth, my ear. My mouth, God's ear. And something wonderful happens. So Elijah prayed. And then he prayed again. You see, people that pray like Elijah are rain stoppers and rain makers. They pray, and they pray again. They uh, dare to practice a bit of polite uh, rebellion, because institutions try to dictate what we're going to be like, and you have to say, well, thank you. I, I enjoy your wisdom and all, but this is what God said to me. And do you know how audacious that is? But people that come close to God do some amazing things. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is in, in Hebrews. It says, and Moses saw him who was invisible. <laughs> when you figure that out, please call me because I haven't figured that one out yet. You know, if, if Moses hadn't acted on that wrestling when God's speaking to him out of the burning bush, and he said, I'm here, send Aaron. I, I, I'm not going to Pharaoh. The Bible would only been about 12 pages long, if it hadn't been for Moses saying yes in his wrestling match. I, I'm just about done, Dan. It was 1956. I was a 12-year-old boy when five young married men. Between them, they had eight or nine children, and one of their wives was pregnant. They had made a pact. They had heard from God. Most of them were students or recent graduates from Wheaton College. V. Raymond Edmond was the president of the college, and he was a missionary and preached missions in chapel every week. And they committed to bring the gospel to a tribe of cannibals in the Ecuadorian jungle. You know the name Elizabeth Elliot? She was the widow of one of those men. Oh, uh, I'm sure some people thought, just what a, what a terrible waste of life. My brother, sister, and I would go to, back then they called Christ ambassador rallies, CA rallies. Pack a bus full and go across the city of Detroit. Uh, that, that only happened once a month. We were young. We wanted to do stuff. So there was another group called the Holiness Youth Crusade. And so we'd go on the off weeks to that. And we got, beginning at that point, we were inundated with the message. God's calling. You can look in almost every denomination. There's a spike of new enlistees, people my age, that heard. That's why it's so important that you tell your story about how you met Jesus and allow others to come close. It's not a coincidence. It's not a mistake that my sister married a pastor. My brother's a pastor, and I was a pastor. And we all regret that God didn't Ask us to be missionaries too, but maybe in the next life we will. Mm. Now finally, and, and this last part is just two or three lines long. It's where I give you an opportunity, and I take the opportunity to again pray like Elijah. He prayed. And then he prayed again. The prayer meeting is open-ended. There's never a benediction. There's never a doxology. It just goes on. These meetings between the eternal and those of us that are bound in time. The, the, The meeting between the one that is sovereign and knows all and those of us that just are a speck in time who know almost nothing. We come face to face, heart to heart. My brother calls me every morning around 8 o'clock. My sister and I were much brighter than my brother. When we discovered that it never gets warmer in Michigan in the winter, we left. He stayed. He calls. And we talk about those wonderful sovereign moments when we met face to face. We didn't know that you could go from the pew to the parking lot. We thought the escape route was you go from the pew to the altar to the parking lot. That was the escape route. I can still feel the weight of my father's arm around me at the altar. When he would pray with a heavily accented German-English, O God, we have heard your word. Do not let my sons or me. Listen and not do what you've asked us to do. So teach us your ways, Lord. Show us how to live. When missionaries came, we sang the song. It may not be on the mountain height or over the stormy sea. It may not be at the battle's front. My Lord will have need of me. But if by a still small voice he calls to paths I do not know, I'll answer, dear Lord, with my hand in thine. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over a mountain or a plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. I guess it's really come down to this for me. I uh, I have to say yes. When I pray every day, it's the only acceptable answer for us to pray like Elijah and then pray again, listen, wrestle, and obey.
1: Thank you so much, Pastor. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, just good, good words, good wisdom there. Encouragement to pray to all of us, no matter what you're going through. um, So many good things in there. Listening, listening we do really well in New Jersey. Um, You know, it's one of those gifts that we have, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak. Sounds just like all your neighbors. Um, (laughs) Well, now you know what to pray for your neighbors. Uh, They will be quick to listen, but uh, no, sincerely appreciate that. Listening, wrestling, man, those are some Hmm. simple words, but just not easy to apply.